0: I brought my hymnal, so somebody may have to remind me I'm leaving it right here for right now, because I'll leave it, and then I'll have to cry and wonder where it went. My name is Marcia Middleton. Um, I was ordained in 1989. I'm an elder in the North Texas Conference, and up until July 1st, I've been a preaching pastor for 29 years in a row. And so this is a big change for me. And uh, I was thrilled when my friend Paul uh, gave me a call and asked me to come. So thank you so much for your welcome. I'm grateful for that. Today we're going to talk a little bit about roots. Now, not the roots of the movie. That wonderful miniseries from 1979 that I'm sure some of you remember. I'm tracing Kunta Kinte's... um, History from enslavement in Africa to the journey and the freedom um, that eventually came to the family and the ancestors afterwards. You know, a lot of our interest in genealogy came out of that movie some 40 years ago or so. But I'm not talking about those kind of roots, at least not today. And I'm not talking about roots as in Jimmy Fallon's band, Great band formed in 1989 in Philadelphia. As a, as a band, there it was very successful way before Jimmy Fallon ever came along. Many of us didn't know about it before then. But if you were in that region, you knew about the roots. If you ever get a chance to see them, I'd recommend you do so. But we're not talking about those, we're talking about the kind of roots that grow in the dirt or at least are supposed to right the kind that miss lisa demonstrated up here with the kids while ago now i'm not one to talk about plants um this is not my my gift i'll just be really clear um true story number of years ago moved to a church and you know your first day everybody brings you stuff You get food, you get gifts, all of this. So somebody had given me this really great-looking ivy. It was really full and lush and beautiful, and I thought, oh, that's great. And so it was put into my office with a lot of the other gifts, and after about, like, 10 days or so, I thought, well, you know, I really need to check that ivy. So I stuck my finger in it, it seemed dry, and I picked it up, it seemed light, and I thought, well, I need to water that. So I took it into the... um, The service sink, the utility sink, the really deep one, put it down. I had the hose. I was I was giving it a drink and I hear this laughter behind me. And I turn around and I say, Well, hi. He said, Pastor, that's an artificial plant. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. Then later, I've had florists um, as part of my congregations, and almost every congregation, at least one florist, floral design person, and they have all come to the conclusion, and have said publicly, if you're going to get Pastor Marsha a plant, it has to be silk or plastic. Don't make it be real, because it won't last a minute. And yet we're talking about today roots of faith that are really, really important. Now, I'd like for you to think with me for just a minute about the letter um, from Paul or one of his followers to the church in Ephesus and really to the churches in the area as well. We're on Ephesians chapter 3 today. And the very first verse, which was not read today, is part of a prayer that Paul or one of his followers is praying on behalf of the faithful, and that would be us as well as those people, of course, back in the time. So verse 1, this is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And then skipping to 14, and for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. So most scholars think this was a circulatory letter, and what that means is that instead of being really meant for one church at one particular point in time, it was to be circulated church to church. You know at work, I don't know if you have these, but churches sometimes do, the brown envelopes. It had the little string tie thing, and there's something in it you need to read, and you have to sign to be sure you've read it, and then you pass it on to the next staff member. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It, it's, it's, it circulates through the office. Well, this was a letter that circulated through the churches, and it would have been delivered um, via messenger from church to church and read in all the different places. And so today it just happened to be addressed to, to the congregation of Spring Valley United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas. Because it's a word of God and it is our word today from God. And so it's, it's giving us an idea of God's hope and God's desire for our lives, what God really wants us to know. I'm so grateful that the Word of God does that for us still. That's what makes it a living and breathing document instead of just an historical document that we study, um, like we do maybe some other historical documents that are equally as old. Well, this is addressed to us today. And so imagine Paul or one of his followers praying this earnest prayer wanting what's best for us, and praying, oh God, let them cooperate with you. Let them cooperate. Let them live into what you would have them to be and, and what you would have them to do. Now that's a whole lot like those of us who are parents or grandparents, aunts or uncles, educators, others who have ever prayed for a young person. If you've ever prayed for a young person, you have this hope or dream in your head for them, right? Something you really want for them. And so for my children, I have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old, a boy and a girl. And when I pray for them, I pray, oh, Lord, let them make good choices. Help them to find their place in the world. Help them to be happy. Help them to grow in their relationship with you. Help them to not be distracted by things in the world that offer something less than you offer, God. And I pray that prayer, but you know what? They have to cooperate, right? You can pray all day long for God to give your child a job. And God can offer jobs right and left, but if your child keeps saying no, it's probably not going to happen. We have to cooperate with God's desire for us, God's preferred future for us. And so today as we, as we gather, we see this prayer and we know That God is wanting for us a preferred future, which includes a firm foundation on things that really matter. It includes roots, if you will. So just two verses of the prayer I'm going to take a closer look at today. Reading from verse 16, and I'm going to stop and tell you where all the pieces are. So I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that, number one, you be strengthened in your inner being with power through the Spirit. That you be strengthened in your inner being. You know, we need physical strength, there's no question, but we really need spiritual strength, especially these days. If you're raising children, if you have grandchildren, if you have any kind of friends or family at all, You know how hard it is to keep folks on the path that Christ calls us to follow. You know how difficult that is. We need strength in our inner being. The second part, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. We come back to that. And finally, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth the implication of that sentence is the breadth, height, length, and depth of love, that you might understand it in a more full and complete way. So that's our hope today. As we talk about being rooted, as we talk about being grounded, I love those words. They are so sturdy-sounding. And they make me feel um, kind of settled, and, and sort of safe to realize that there's something sturdy and steadfast in my life, something that's deep in my life, or that I hope is. I try to keep it that way. It's important. But the question today is, what really, for each one of us, me too, what really are you rooted in? Upon what are you really grounded? Really? It's easy to say, well, I'm grounded in faith. We're Christian. We think, well, we're grounded in faith. It's easy to to say that. Maybe that's true. But I know for me, a lot of times I deceive myself because my faith isn't nearly as deeply rooted as I want it to be. as I know God wants it to be. So some of us, I suspect, are people who have no roots, no judgment there, just naming a reality in our lives. I've known people without physical roots before. I bet you have too. I had a friend in college who um, did not like Dallas. And so she left the Dallas area and she was going to move to Silicon Valley in California. She was going to make her living there. She did that. And before I could even change her address in my Christmas card list, guess what? She was back. And I said, you were so excited about moving to California. She said, well, it was great. It just wasn't what I was looking for. So then probably a year later I heard that she'd moved to Florida. And I thought, well, I have to get her address changed again. But then you're going to uh, you know, she before long she was back. Then she went to the northeast. And finally, she's back again. I think she made a trip to Chicago in there somewhere. I don't know if she really tried to move or just had an extended stay. But it was, it was a very odd thing. It felt like she had no place. And now, guess where she is? Fort Worth. Close. She came back pretty close to where she'd started. Wow. So some of us are spiritually like that. Y'all know anybody who says, Well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Right? And that's a very common um, description now. And again, no judgment in that. It's just a reality of where people are. And so, not for everybody, but for some people, what that means is that they take a little bit of every religion. And they mix it all up, and they try to make their own. And it is what it is. People might find that helpful. I certainly hope so. Again, no judgment. I'm not in any place to judge. But it occurs to me that at some point, we need roots. Living as if we have none can be a difficult course indeed it seems to me. And then there's others of us here who have roots, but we're rooted in the wrong thing. We're rooted in the wrong place. We picked the wrong soil. So maybe we are rooted in our prosperity. Maybe we are rooted in our, um, in our wealth, in our stock portfolio, depending on which week it is. Oh, isn't that a crazy thing right now? Um, maybe it's, Maybe we're rooted in our education, in our political ideology. Maybe we're rooted in our intelligence or in our influence over others. And maybe those things are the most important things to us, really. And sure, we come to church, you know, we believe in God, all that kind of stuff. But really, if if we were honest with ourselves, our roots would be someplace completely different. And you know what I have to say? It's easy in our culture, especially in this area... To fall into that kind of rootedness. My brother-in-law, my husband's brother, is a civil engineer in Louisville, Kentucky, and every time they visit down here, he just shakes his head and marvels We live up um, in the we're in the colony, we're up close to Frisco And he just shakes his head and marvels at the construction. Because every time he comes, the landscape has changed around where we are up there. It's just unbelievable. He says, we just don't have that kind of money. It's just different here. And so sometimes in living in that culture, we pick that up and we start to adapt and and adopt some of those practices. But you know what? How many of you have ever been to Egypt? Egypt? Anybody here ever been to Egypt? Um, I haven't yet. I've been close, but I, I haven't crossed the border yet. So I'm going to be doing that someday, I hope. Um, I'm told that when the pyramids were built for the kings and the royalty of um, Egypt, that they left out various asunder things, food and tools and textiles and different things that they thought the pharaohs might need in the um, next life, Right? And when those tombs were discovered, the pharaohs were pretty dead, and the stuff was still there. Now, we're not going to have pockets in what we wear to heaven. We're not going to be able to pull a little red wagon with us with our worldly goods in it, There's not going to be anything that goes with it but us. (laughs) We're it. Wow. And then some of us, like my dear, wonderful parents who have gone before us and are in the great cloud of witnesses, the saints, um, really lived in such a way that they were hoping they would have something to pass on to the next generation. Some of you know what I mean by that. You may be going through that right now, thinking about what you want to pass on. Some of you may be on the receiving end of that, thinking about how we're going to respond, how we're going to receive. Well, I received a home, and it's a nice home, but it was a home built in 1962. It's in East Texas in the town I grew up in. And it needs some work. It needs plumbing work and electrical work. It needs a new roof. It needs a number of things I put a furnace in a couple years ago. It took me forever to pay for that furnace. I don't make the kind of money it takes for me to take care of that house. And yet my parents desperately wanted me to have it. So now I have to make some decisions. You see what I mean? I have to make some decisions. I'm going to be making some calls this week and talking beginning the discussion about what it would look like to sell the house I inherited that I grew up in. Not because I want to, but because my lifestyle and ministry doesn't enable me to have property like that. It just didn't work in my life. We're told that the younger generation, if you will, some of us are here, I'm not one of them, but some of us are here today, um, the younger generation lives differently than some of us. And they are perhaps minimalist. They don't like as much stuff as we like. They don't need the property or the uh, real estate that we seem to need. And they like to travel light. And they like to um, be able to, to have adventure and invest in things like that rather than in things that you can touch and feel and so I just wonder for those of us who have rooted ourselves in any of those kinds of of things that have to do with prosperity I would wonder what it would look like for us to take another look as painful as that might be like I'm going to be doing this week to our house that I inherited and then there's yet another kind of, of rootedness that I want to talk about, and it's when you're rooted in the right dirk. You're rooted in Jesus Christ, but you're rooted shallowly. Your roots don't go down very far, right? And so every time there's a storm or there's a wind or, or something happens to shake you a little bit, you can't, you can't hold it together. You're not deep enough to have really the kind of foundation of faith that you need. Folks, there are many of us in every congregation, every one of them, who have grown up in the church and who consider ourselves stalwart Christians. But This has happened to me. I was a pastor a long time. I invite you to come to a Bible study, perhaps. And somebody would say to me, but pastor, I never learned the Bible. What if somebody asked me a question and I didn't know it? I would be embarrassed. So I can't come to Sunday school. I can't come to a study. And so I would start out every class when I would look up the scripture I turned to the what? Table of contents. And even I would use the table of contents because I wanted every single person to know it's there for a reason God made that table of contents <laughs> so that people could find stuff. I think it's a great thing. But that's true. Many of us have the the impression, I guess, in our heads that if we go to church once a week and we generally live an ethical life, that we have our Christian life together. And folks, there's more to it than that. There's just more to it than that. So the prayer that Paul was praying on our behalf so long ago had to do with being rooted and grounded in love rooted and grounded in love wow we talk about love a lot in the church in English we use the word so loosely it hardly means anything anymore Now, I love my cat I love my car, I love chocolate pie, right? But Greek is different. It has different kinds of words for love. It helps us be more specific. When we talk about being rooted in love, we're talking about a whole different way of looking at the world and especially a whole different way of looking at people. For instance, if you were rooted in love, you would deal with people at work differently. I would deal with people at work differently. I really would. And so when I saw that person, you know who I'm talking about, the person, right? You got one. You saw your person at work and you wanted to turn around and run the other direction. You would instead be able to see the person as Christ sees that person. Your first gut reaction to seeing that person and anybody would be love, not avoidance. When you would run into a colleague who was also a competitor. You know what I mean by that? Instead of thinking to yourself right off the bat, how did you get that office? You're thinking this to yourself. Hopefully you don't say it. Please don't say it. How did you get the, that office? Or how did you get that promotion? Or how, how is it that you achieved this or that and I didn't because I work just as hard, or I'm more talented, or I'm um, whatever the case may be. I have more clients, I have more, more um, contracts than you. Instead of that being the thought we have, what well, if the first thought we have would be love? How can I be of service? How can I genuinely give you a word of hope today? Reflect the love of God to you today. What if I could do that? What if coming to church and you saw someone, anybody, but whatever, whoever you see, and your first thought, your first gut reaction wouldn't be, we got a new car. In a couple of years, I probably better get a new car too. or I can't believe she wore that, right? Those things that we think without even wanting to, they just come to us so naturally. What would it be if anybody we saw our first gut reaction to them would be love? What if it would be how can I reflect God's love to them? How can I be of service? How can I give them hope today? It would be all about where they are and not at all about where you are. That's what Paul is calling us to be rooted in. The kind of love. So we're not just any Christians. We're Methodists. We're Wesleyans. And so that means not only are we different because we're Christian, but we're different because we're Wesleyan. And it means that when it comes to growth in our faith, that kind of thing matters to us. We're not going to allow ourselves to get stuck because we know that roots can atrophy, roots can go away, and it can become as if they were never there at all. And so my challenge for you this week is to move a little closer to what John Wesley called being perfected in love. Now, when he talked about being perfect, it didn't mean without mistake. That's not what that means at all. It means that our first reaction upon seeing someone would be love instead of all those alternative things they could be. And... It means that we would look at other people the exact same way that Jesus Christ looks at us with grace and forgiveness and mercy and the love that roots us so deeply we don't have to worry about the storms of life or the storms of our future. Don't waste your time watering fake plants. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Delighted that you all chose to worship here at Spring Valley United Methodist Church today. Thank you so much for that. We come to the time when we offer an invitation. I do this every week when I preach anywhere, including my own church. So if any of you have a commitment to Jesus Christ to make today a first-time commitment or a renewal of a commitment you made years ago that you've lost in the midst of just the way life is, and you want to renew that today, or if God is calling you to make this your church home here at Spring Valley, we invite you to come forward as you are able as we sing our closing hymn, Or you may signal me and I will come to you if you are unable to come forward, uncomfortable coming forward. And we're going to do that as we sing our closing hymn, which is, How Can We Name a Love? Please stand as you are able today.